Before we get started, if you enjoy Joygasm, we'd love your support. Please consider becoming a monthly contributor. It only takes a minute, and it helps us a lot. To do that, visit patreon.com slash joygasm. Now on with the show. Welcome back to Joygasm, where we chat about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live, Toaster360. He, of course, is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, and we have the honor of presenting the nominees for best fill-in-the-blank. On episode 99 today, December 8th, 2018, we are going to forego gaming and movie news this week. Instead, focusing on the Game Awards that took place earlier this week, which will be our topic of the day. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, which I could be, would be the first time, but I do believe that Steve may, in fact, have for us the uh, gaming and movie... and Oh, no, this week in gaming and movie anniversaries. Uh, uh, yeah, something along those lines with those words in it. That's right. Am I correct, Steve? You are correct, Russ. Wow. Call it a sixth sense. Yes. A sibling sense. Call it an M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) (laughs) Call it whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Why are you reaching for me right here, Russ? I'm not. Actually, I was pushing the uh, cable over a little bit. You're in my space. I like it in your space. You're in my bubble. (laughs) (laughs) So what's new with you? Oh, well, you know... I watched, uh, let's see, I didn't watch much, actually. I watched the movie Split. Is that the sequel to Unbreakable? Yes, but it's like not really a sequel. Uh, it's, it, it's, you don't really, like if you just went, oh, this sounds interesting, I watched it. At the end, you will see Bruce Willis say something. And you're like, oh, hey, I saw a movie that was like that before. I think this might be connected. But all throughout the rest of the movie, there's there's nothing that links the other two uh, or the other movie together. I need to see that movie. It's on my watch list. Is it really, Russ? It is because I thought that it was just a standalone film when it mm. first came out. But mm. then later on, mm. I heard that, no, actually, it's tied into Unbreakable. And, yeah. of course, with the, the Glass movie that's coming out soon. It's tied in by about 10 seconds. But it makes sense just because of this new character that they're wanting to really flesh out. So I think it's, uh, I'm curious to see. Did you enjoy the movie? Well, not really. Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> because the story just didn't really, I don't know. The story was too like flipped around, not flipped around, all over the place, too scattered. Let me just put it that way. Oh. The story was too scattered. What's his name? James, uh Gosh, uh, the main character, McAvery, McGorvey? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know his name. I can look it up real quick, though. Um, James McAvoy. McAvoy? McAvoy? McAvoy. McAvoy. McDonald's. Happy meal. What are you trying to say here? Big Mac. No, wait. We're all, I'm hungry. 
<laughs> Heart attack, disease, diabetes. <laughs> where, 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 where are we going with this? <laughs> totally not sponsored by McDonald's, by the way. No, 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 no. Totally not sponsored by McDonald's. Probably ruined our chances anyway. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, Supersize me. Yeah, what? really. Yeah, that, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. Oh, good. A movie that you actually liked. Yeah, that was one of those documentaries that you didn't glaze over at, you know? Mm-hmm. Good movie. That was a good movie. Anyhow. I need to watch it again. Do you? If for nothing else, I like to see just how unnatural the French fries are when they do that little test. And That's, out of all the different French fries that they have collected from the different restaurants, mm. it's the McDonald's fries that I believe still had not decomposed <laughs> after like a year. Still stand the test of time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's see. So, you know, that's, yeah. Oh, you know what? <laughs> you know, I forgot to say something on the last show. Do not do one of those pregnant pauses like you did last time. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, yes, Steve, I'll respond to you. What's that? Uh, I did it non-verbally by staring into those baby blue eyes. Yeah, you were looking at your computer. You weren't even looking at me. Thanks Steve, a lot. I have a show to run, okay? Get oh, off wow. my back. Okay. I ended up purchasing uh, Call of Duty, COD. Which one? World War II. What do you think? I have yet to play it yet. You have not played it. Have you received <laughs> it? Yes, I've received it. Okay. Uh, I uh, went and this was back during the Black Friday time. Mm. I mm. waited amongst the masses to, to purchase a couple games. So I bought that one and I bought... Assassin's Creed. Uh, the, uh, what is it? The, uh, not Odyssey. Is it Origins? Or- Origins no, came no, out no, last no. year. Odyssey I, is Odyssey, this year. Odyssey, then, then I got the Odyssey. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you know what, Rose? I, I, oh. Have you tried playing that one yet? I, I didn't play that no, one. No, I didn't think so. Yeah, no, I've just been, uh. <laughs> I just like spending money and not doing <laughs> well, anything with them. Well, I spent 25 bucks on one of them, 35 bucks on the other one. There you go. There you go. So you don't have to spend 60 smackers. Absolutely. On all these games that are just going to sit in your shelf for us. Did I tell you that I too bought the Assassin's Creed Odyssey? I- no, you didn't. But because I was trolling your hard drive, I found it there. So <laughs> no, but yes. You stalker. Speaking of hard drive, I need your hard drive for the PlayStation because what you sold me has absolutely nothing on except for your saved games, so, which I can't access. Thanks a lot. Well, again, okay. So we need to work our way through this. Right. I've already told you that if you need my external hard drive, you are welcome to borrow it. Actually, what you said was, you're Steve, you're getting a great deal. I'm giving you the, um, the PlayStation for 200 bucks and has all these downloaded games on. You're getting a great deal. And yeah, I get you are getting a great I deal. Get and I just have saved like download content without the actual game that I can't use. <sighs> Steve. Just like my older brother to swindle just, the deal. No, nah, there's no swindling. <laughs> there's You live eight minutes away from me. You could easily take my drive <laughs> and then play every freaking game I have on there. You negative Nancy. <laughs> Funny how that was left out of the fine print, but that was the guy was. I said I didn't know. Oh, I don't yeah. know how this works. How do I find out if I downloaded my something to my external hard drive? My understanding is that with the the Sony consoles themselves, I was under the impression that you could because I have my account attached to both PS4 Pro and the PS4, you should be able to play the game on both systems because you you classify one as kind of like your main console or your home console or mm. something like that. 
But the thing is, is that because I ran out of space on the PS4 hard drive, that's what caused me to get the external hard drive in the first place. So I had to transfer all of the data to the external hard drive. Oh, well, what do you know? Now, what we could probably do, Steve, is if you were to buy yourself an external hard drive for the PS4, we could probably copy said assets to that external drive in which that would be probably a workable solution for your current predicament. Yeah, more money spent. Steve, don't be cheap. <laughs> you're going to get all this for 200 bucks. Actually, no, you just got to go buy yourself a hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> you can easily buy yourself like a, I don't know. How much did you spend on that little two terabyte hard drive of yours? 90 bucks. There you go. So it's actually, I'm spending 290 bucks. Or Easy bucks. peasy. Yeah. I mean, Steve, we all do. We all do. <laughs> the thing is, is that the hard drives in those consoles are not set up so that you can have multiple titles all beyond there. And because I believe... Uh, well, they are set up that way. They just don't give you enough space. 90% of the titles that I, I bought for the system were downloaded. So mm. I don't have a hard copy of the game. Now, the other thing is, if you prefer... Mm. You could always go and purchase those titles of interest because they're probably like super cheap now. They're not. I checked. How much is God of War? Well, on the PlayStation Store, it's still like 50 bucks. Is it really? Yes. Yeah. It'll go down price. Yeah. But again, it just depends on how you want to do it. Mm. So, but the, but the big thing is that it's not like it's not allowing you to play the game. It's just, it literally needs, it doesn't have the assets, which I, I believe I texted you too. Have you tried to yes, re-download tried. Yeah, yeah, the game that. in its yeah, entirety? Yeah, no, it doesn't work well. What, what does it tell you, Steve? It says... You ready to download? Give me 50 bucks. What? Yep. Well, we'll take a look at yeah, it. Yeah, we'll take a look. I have a Ross. feeling you're not doing something right. <sighs> I hit uh, X to confirm. Okay, nope. Uh, now what? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, if for nothing else, an easy solution <laughs> is you can borrow my hard drive to plug it in, and then you can play those games to your heart's content and then return my external drives to you. I have plenty of games I can play. Oh, boy. Um, I did make a profile. What'd you call yourself? Stevevich, Russ. Uh, see, I was not able to call myself Toaster360 on my PS4. That wouldn't make any sense. Because the 360 was from the Xbox 360. It was. It was. But in terms of just, you know, people who know... Who, what my gamer tag is, I figured, eh, just put it on there, but no, I have a different name. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but good for you. Thank you. Is there anything else that's going on in your little life over there? Mm, that's about it, I think. That's yeah. It? Just like, oh, well, just RDR toing <laughs> it. I mean, I don't, I don't want Red Dead Redemption 2 to end. Let me just say that, be clear. I don't want it to ever end. Are you going to be playing the online component after you play? Definitely going to try it out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. I never play the GTA online component. I had lots of friends who really heartily suggest or recommend or encourage whatever word you want to pick and just put in there. But I never actually got around to doing it. However, with RDR2, I I feel as I'm ready. I feel as I want to give it a shot. And I noticed on the, the top right corner where it says story, they don't have a, a, an option there for online. So it's like, okay, got to get to that. But I have heard from multiple sources to you. See, to our listeners out there, I believe you, both you and I are on chapter four. Mm-hmm. And 
there is some sort of big event that transpires either in chapter five or chapter six, of which apparently it's a very hard pill to swallow. Have you heard about this, Steve? I am. I'm sure some big events happen. Yes, later on in the game. Yeah, Russ, come on. Well, the reason I bring this up is that. It seems, and again, my friends have been very respectful in not spoiling what happens. However, it seems to be kind of almost like a detriment to their motivation to want to finish the game or finish the story. Like it's, it, I don't, I'm not sure what is going on with the whole thing, but it definitely seems to be kind of a, a stumbling block of sorts. I'm not exactly sure. Well, we definitely know John Marston's on his own, doesn't like Dutch or Bill. Right. So, I mean, at some point, the gang has a falling out. You mean picking... If you've played the first game, you kind of walk into this new game knowing that. Right, right. I'm just curious to know what's going to happen with that. Obviously, I don't want to know ahead of time, but when it does happen, I, I am curious to see what my response is going to be simply because having played the, the prior game, I know that there's going to be some kind of falling out, like you said. Right. And I'm just curious to see how Rockstar's storytellers decided to handle that. Oh, you know what, though? So I was in the game and I was doing something and um, I took someone's revolver and it was, a, it was a better revolver. That was very nice. And I took it from him. He, he was trying to shoot me, so I figured I'd just return the favor. Not be as mean as he was. Actually, I think I did it not being as mean as he was. Wait. Anyway, so I had his revolver, and I thought, yes, that means I don't have to go buy it from the store. Mm. And then later on in the game, it took it away from me. I don't know. Maybe I like I, I dropped it at some point. I don't know. But I went back in the store, and I thought, why is, is the price still there? It doesn't usually say it's owned if you mm. have a gun. But it didn't say anything. I'm like, I have to buy this thing all over again. So I went back out to my horse. I was rummaging through my saddlebags. I'm like, where is this thing? And then it, it, it's gone. Saddlebags. Well, I'm sorry. Got to buy to it all over that. again. I had a weird bug last night occur, actually. I'm, I have autosave turned off just because it gives me more control over what actually gets recorded. Yeah, control freak, I know. I know. <laughs> and, um... I ended up, I found the legendary Ram last night. Nice. And I'm so glad I saved it after I found him because um, I was on my way to the trapper and to, to give him the pelt and everything else. And all of a sudden the game just signs me out. And at first I was thinking, well, that's odd. Did the, the controller batteries die or something? What's going on? No, the controller's still on. And once I signed back in, it actually exited me out of the entire game. I had to like just go back through all of the, the initial main menu screens. <laughs> and so I was thinking to myself, man, I'm so glad I had saved when I did because I had found quite a bit of, of different animal pelts and that sort of thing. And I hadn't delivered it yet. And just, I mean, that would have been a couple of hours down the drain if I had not saved at that point in time. But I thought, man, that is so odd how like out of the blue, it just claimed that it, it just lost my signal of sorts, you know, like I just said, Oh, well, you know, you've signed out. It actually said by Russell at the bottom. And I'm like, uh, I didn't do anything. I didn't press the guide button. Didn't do any of that kind of stuff. That is just bizarre. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, did red dead doesn't require you to be online to play the main story. Does it? 
I don't know. I, I don't think so. No, I don't think it would because I think actually they have kind of a different setup with the game engine when, when it, um, you go online just because for latency issues and everything else. And actually, I've heard the online version of the game does not quite look as pretty as the, the single-player story. Oh. I was going to say, like, because uh, Forza Horizon 4, you have to be online even though you're not racing with anybody else to play the game. I don't know. I know for sure. <laughs> I know for sure because it would let me in to play the game. I took a picture of the screen. I have, I have no idea uh, what their, their setup is. It's a, it's a good question. It is a bueno pregunta. You know, or is it pregunta bueno? It's, it's uh, I don't know, conjugating I those verbs and uh, pregunta something. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not that good. Reach way back into Spanish too, high school. <laughs> but I, I went to do one of the contracts and I got there and I had a perfect, like, I don't know, short horn, short whatever, deer pelt or whatever it was on my horse. And then I went in and I saw that there was like a, a golden gun emblem that in this fort that you could get. And I thought, yeah, I'm totally getting that. I'm totally getting that. And well, then I died. So then the game. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> so then I died and then it restarted the game. And, it, and usually when that happens to me, my all my pelts go away. I'm like nuts. This one, it gave me the pelt back. But then when I went back in the fort to wreak havoc on everybody. Wreak havoc? Either way, I wrecked them, <laughs> but they did reek too. So, um, <laughs> so then uh, I went to look for the gun that I that I showed up on the map, and it was gone. Hmm. Like it totally took it away from me. Yeah, I anticipated that there would be certain bugs in the game. Thankfully, for the most part, my experience has been kind of a bug-free one. Hmm. But there have been uh, two or three little areas here and there, which again, I mean, this game is pushing a lot of stuff at the same time. So, yeah, it is what it is. Now, I also, if you recall, Steve, last week I was talking about how I signed up for the Anthem beta and it was on the wait list for Xbox. I did not get that. I received a very polite email from EA mm. saying, sorry, uh, no one has uh, forfeited their place in the right. closed uh, beta. So, oh well. That's right. I forgot to tell you, I downloaded the uh, Devil May Cry 5 dealio and played it. And? I think my Devil May Cry days are, are done. Oh! I think that ship has sailed. Ross. Ship has sailed. Yeah. He's He's got the writing all across his face. I, um... Yeah, I'm just not really interested in Dante as a in the character that that Capcom is making him to be, and I don't know that's just it's really on the rails kind of a game. I'm just used to having a, more of an open world, sure. And I don't know the weapons aren't really cool anymore. I don't know. I just I've I've kind of fallen out with it. Uh, well, hey, that you know sometimes that happens. Sometimes the uh, particular series will go in a direction that just doesn't captivate you. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't hold your interest. Your yes. collective interest. Yes. yes. So, mm, well, I'm sorry, Steve. Well, at least there are plenty of other games out there that do hold your interest. That's a very good thing. Indeed. I have also started playing Dead Cells on the Switch, and I have I've like literally just started, so um, <laughs> I have so many Switch titles where I'm like at various levels of completion with, but... Other than that, I just, you know, I watched the Game Awards with you. And uh, that's pretty much kind of like what's been going on with me this week. Looks like Steve is tapping on his phone. He's 
Is there something else? No. I, uh, when we were watching the show, I forgot what they said about best RPG. I was trying to Google it. Giggle. Oh. Well, we're going to get to that, Steve. Okay. Don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't we go ahead and segue into this week in game and movie anniversaries. Go ahead, Steve. Okay. Well, Rush, uh, a little light this uh, this week, but that's okay. Some weeks are heavy, some weeks are light, you know? Yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, anyhow, so, well, as long as you're not light in the loafers. <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened to my music? <sighs> Continue, Steve. Oh, man, the world's coming to an end. I'm losing my music. Okay, so this week, movie. You should have looked at the, the look of pain on his face just now. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, it's so quiet otherwise. You know, I need the, some filler. Huh, turning huh. Uh, 15. As of December 5th this week, we have The Last Samurai. Oh, that was a good one. That's a good movie right there. That came out, I'm, I'm going to guess. That came out in 2003. Uh, yes, you're right. I was going to say four. <laughs> um, that I remember I brought our Japanese exchange students to that movie, and they're like, whoa, Tom Cruise is speaking Japanese. That's amazing. They like the movie. Well, yeah. I think everybody liked that movie. Gorgeous. By the way. You're gorgeous. Thanks. Did you know that you could, you could buy a, uh, a copy of his samurai sword from the movie? Oh, I'm not surprised. And you can get it on Amazon. It's like 300 bucks or 400 bucks. I think I'm going to get one. But that costs money and I don't have any yet. So, um, <laughs> I bought speakers instead of samurai swords. Uh, so, anyway. But maybe one day. Use it to spread butter on the bread. I'm going to stretch all the way out here because the sword's so long. Okay. Turning 30, Russ, as of December the 2nd. The Naked Gun. Ah, uh, yes. Leslie Nielsen? Nielsen. Nielsen. Is he still alive? Nope. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. That was a good comedy. It was a very good comedy. That was a classic. Pretty funny movie right there. Leslie was known, I mean, just, you know, Airplane was another great one that he was yeah. in. Hey, he was kind of typecast in a way, but it was type. It's like a good typecast. It, yeah, if you had to be typecast, that right. would probably be one that you would probably be satisfied with. Right. It's kind of like how Will Ferrell's kind of typecast, but that's it's like great Will Ferrell typecast on the movie. It's going to be funny. Anyway. Uh, and then uh, turning 40, Russ. I don't remember much about it. I remember I had to watch this movie in, in like junior high in, or high school or something, but I don't remember much about it. As of December 8th, turning 40, The Deer Hunter. That sounds vaguely familiar. I remember it was a war movie. I'll, I'll M-dib it and I'll let you know. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, right in time for uh, to start the whole holiday Christmas season off. You know? Sure. It's a war movie. Watching people get slaughtered. You know. Video games. Rush. Moving on. <sighs> December 2nd, 1993. Turning 25. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. Tournament Fighters for the Super Nintendo. I do not remember that one. Yeah, I remember that one. I was like, it's just a fighting. It's like a one-on-one -on -one fighting game. Huh. That's uh, has a lot, a lot to do with all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle world. So Shredder, Michelangelo, Donatello, uh, all of like the action figures that you could play. And I don't remember that at all. Yeah, you, you had a fighting game with them. Krang. I remember. 
TMNT Turtles in Time or something like that. Well, that was a movie. Well, there was a... What was the name of that? There was one game where, like, you could, like, throw foot soldiers right at the screen and it took advantage of the Super NES's Mode 7 graphics so it would, like, zoom and scale yeah. and stuff. I don't know if that was a... Yeah. Kind of... Yeah. Anyway, continue, please. So, let's see. Oh, 2003, the same uh, date there, December 2nd, 2003, turning 15, if you didn't do the math, <laughs> Deus Ex, Invisible War. Uh-huh. Never got into that one. I had a lot of friends that were into that one. Yeah, me too. December 3rd, 1998, turning 20, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Now, that is a classic. I do remember playing that one. I had friends who played that one, but I didn't... Uh, I think I watched a lot of that game. I didn't actually play it. Huh? December 4th, 1998, turning 20, NBA Jam. That was a, a quarter gobbler. NBA Jam 99. 90 Nueve. December 5th, 2003, turning 15, Dragon Ball Z Budokai 2. I never played any Dragon Ball Z. Huh. Very popular, though. Again, mm. not a lot of people who play it. People to this day love Dragon Ball Z. I remember a buddy of mine on the bus to and from junior high. He's like, hey, Steve, check this out. I got a new game. And he shows me the cover of the game. And at the time, I didn't know what Dragon Ball Z was. But the spacing of ball and Z was like nothing. Zilch. Someone's like, you're playing a game that says Dragon Balls. He's like, no, no, Steve, it's Dragon Ball Z. I'm like, no, it's Dragon Balls. There's no space. Anyway, he looked at me kind of odd. Anyway. I'm sure that friendship lasted. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Facebook friendship. Anyway, December 7th, 1983. Turning 35. Baseball. For the NES. Okay. Like the original baseball, like the first baseball game. The first baseball game for that the NES. ever was. Yeah. Probably, well, I don't know if that's accurate. I'm sure Atari probably had a baseball title well, or no, something. No, 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 not the, like the very first. I'm talking about for Just the for NES. Just the NES. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's it. Well, thank you for that, Steve. It's always a pleasure to go down memory lane. I know you like segment. it. I know you like it. Now, something else actually occurred this week. Um, which I think is only appropriate that we take a little gander at, and that is that the Avengers in-game teaser trailer got dropped. And I'm assuming, Steve, that you have taken a gander at this. Only one. Not five like everybody else, but only one. <laughs> only one, he says. Well, I say uh, we turn that number one into two. Okay. Let me just uh, cue it up here. If you find this recording, don't feel bad about this. Part of the journey is the end. Just for the record, being adrift in space with zero promise of rescue is more fun than it sounds. Food and water ran out four days ago. Oxygen will run out tomorrow morning. That'll be it. When I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you.
did exactly what he said he was going to do. He wiped out 50% of all living creatures. We lost. All of us. We lost friends. We lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. This is the fight of our lives. This is gonna work, Steve. I know it is. Because I don't know what I'm gonna do if it doesn't. Now, if they're smart, they'll leave it just like that until the movie comes out. Because everybody has goosebumps and they don't show any action whatsoever. They don't reveal too much. I mean, if they just left it at that, people are going to be wondering and guessing and speculating all the way until the movie's released. And if you recall, the original Avengers Infinity War marketing campaign, they did an exquisite job of not giving anything away. Well, they showed a lot of action, though. They showed action, but I was really happy about how they were able to keep the key plot points under wraps. You did not know how things are going to pan out. You didn't know who was going to be, you know, still remain versus who was going to uh, be turned to dust or whatever. And ju- just in terms of, of Thanos as a character, you really didn't get to know that character until you were sitting in the theater. I mean, they, by all intents and purposes, they did a phenomenal job of not spoiling the story in the trailer. And they released, I think, at least like four different trailers during the the campaign itself. They did. But since there was such a cutoff at the end of that movie where everyone's ash and dust and and no one knows, you know, who's coming back, who's not coming back, what's going to happen. If they just leave it like that, then your imagination wanders and wanders and wanders. The more they give you tidbits, the more you're going to figure stuff out. Right. And what I'm saying is, is that with the Russo brothers and um, Kevin Feige, who who um, has been at the helm of Marvel, they've done uh, just a really terrific job of making it so that like you get like the, they, they do the fan service, right? Like you get to see all, all your favorite characters. They get like a little moment in the trailer, but they're not actually giving you any kind of, inclination as to what's happening. We're like, you know, so many trailers that we watch, they give all the different things. They give everything away. So, I mean, there's, it really either marginalizes or, you know, straight out ruins any kind of motivation I have or, or curiosity to go see the movie. Cause, Cause they just showed me the entire thing in like a, a two minute trailer. Almost wondering why they released this when they did, because Captain Marvel is not even out yet. And they just literally released another trailer for Captain Marvel not too long ago. 
Yeah, well, if you recall, the release schedule is pretty aggressive between the two films. Right. If I remember correctly, I believe Captain Marvel comes out one month before the Avengers Endgame movie comes out. Mm -hmm. So it does make sense in terms of like a chronological marketing blitz order sort of thing. I think that's the, they did the same thing with Black Panther and Avengers, if I remember correctly, beginning so of this year. Black Panther came out, I believe, in February. And I think the Avengers Infinity War movie came out in like May, I want to say April or May. Right. But I mean, during the Super Bowl, uh, before Black Panther was released, they had the final trailer for the yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they know precisely what they're doing. Um, they, uh, I've read about how they have had to increase security considerably on the sets of uh, Avengers Endgame and, and just apparently the Russo brothers have written several versions of what the ending is. That way it throws people off as to like how it's going to end. And, and it totally makes sense to me just because when you have this much writing on a film franchise, Disney knows like how much money they stand to gain and they know how much money they stand to lose. So <laughs> you've got to do your due diligence. And of course, Disney is one of those companies that, I mean, they're pros at doing this sort of thing. So I, for one, am hopeful that they will continue what they had started with Infinity War with, because, you know, this this was just the teaser trailer. It was meant to just kind of, like I said, act as a, a tool to be able to give the fans an hors d'oeuvre of sorts for uh, Avengers Endgame. But then they'll probably have some sort of official trailer come out. And again, I think because of the sheer number of characters that are in this um, as well, you know, if you notice, they were adding more like Ant-Man's in there now. Hawkeye makes, makes a return and it looks like he is adopting his Ronin persona from the comic books. So I'm also, you know, I can't forget Captain Marvel. She's going to be in there as well. So there, there's three more characters that are coming in. And who knows if they're going to be introducing a, another character of swords. We have, we have no idea. Guess we'll know more at the end of uh, Captain Marvel. The one thing that I sincerely hope that they do is follow what Peter Jackson did with the Lord of the Rings. When the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out, I believe it was on Blu-ray, they had the extended edition, which basically tacked on 45 minutes of more footage on each oh, one of the films. They had that stuff out upon release of the DVD. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I really hope that they do that with this because they have, you know, they've shot so much footage with, with these, these films. I would love it if they would be able to tack on like an additional hour to both infinity war as well as Endgame. What do you think of the title Endgame? Well, um, I think it's fitting because partly <laughs> because some of the actors' contracts are out and they're done with it. So it's kind of like the end game for them, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I mean, let's, let's be honest. So, and then later on uh, with the previous Avengers movie, that's something that uh, well, I forgot his line, but it was Captain or Captain, St Captain Strange. <laughs> uh, Dr. Strange's line there. Too many captains. <laughs> too many captains. Too many strange stuff. He was going through all the algorithms and different scenarios through his mind, and I forgot exactly what he said, but he said something, something in game. I'm like, oh, stuck that in a brain fold somewhere. Mm. Very, very nice. Did you have any other comments about that trailer? 
I like the music. Music's music different. Music was epic. Yeah. And the logo. Man, I love how they've done the various treatments of the Avengers logo at the end. Each one just totally works. Yeah. I actually, while we're talking about this, have been hunting for um, those those movie posters. It's the ones that just have the Avengers logo on them. They're kind of like the teaser poster. They're not the official poster. But if you recall, they've had... Um, I want to say, I guess this will be the fourth one that they've done where they have the letter A and just the the type of textures they've applied to it or whatever are different. I would love to be able to, to find those. And I want to be able to find the ones that were that are used at movie theaters, like the 27 by 40 double-sided, you know, just, just and to get those framed in Mikasa. You know, I wonder if, you know, I, I've been speculating on my own a little bit here, Russell. And I wonder if that if uh, Stark was on um, Star Lord's ship in that scene because he's, he's on something. He's out in the middle of space, uh-huh. and you remember a lot of them turned to dust back on the wherever they were on the planet. Yeah, and I think Nebula is with him, perhaps. And he was talking to Pepper Pepper Potts, and I know in the comic. Pepper does have a suit of her own that was given to her by Stark for a rescue purpose. So I'm wondering if both Nebula and or and Stark get rescued by Potts. You are not the first person I have heard present that hypothesis. Mm. I wonder if Captain Marvel will be the one to rescue him. Possibly. You know what? But here's the deal too, Rose. You remember the first Iron Man when he was and when, when uh, Stark was imprisoned and they had like nothing mm-hmm. in that little cell out in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. and he still made like this big robotic exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a bunch of pieces on that ship that he could he could easily he's Tony friggin' Stark. He can make a suit out of something and preserve himself or do whatever he's got to do. He'd be fine, Russ. <laughs> I'm glad you have such faith in Tony Stark, Steve. That's a good thing. I, for one, am um, pleased with it. I, I, I have come to look at them as kind of an extended family of sorts. It's always just, you know, when, it, when another Avengers movie comes out or, or the actual uh, movie trailers are released, it lets me know that uh, the world, everything is not as bad as it seems out in the real world. It's good to be able to... <laughs> See them, even though they are completely fictional characters and this whole world of theirs does not actually <laughs> exist. But no, I, I always, I think it's it's a lot of fun. It, there's going to be kind of a bittersweet reaction that I'm sure I'm going to have once this is all said and done, just because we have come to look forward to watching these actors over the past 10 years uh, reprise their roles as these characters. And it, and it is a point of interest that I've always had as just a movie going fan that we've talked about many times, Steve, about how it's unfortunate that the cast and crew of any given series of movies can, I don't know, they just can't seem to, to stick with it. Whether it's, you know, the original Batman movies, you know, you had Batman and Batman Returns. Even in Batman Returns, you had a different set director, which is why the sets in Batman Returns looked just distinctly different from the original Batman. And how Michael Keaton just couldn't stay in the cape and cowl, you know, that sort of thing. Like you just, you had all these different 
stumbling blocks of sorts, and that just uh, has been successfully avoided with this whole uh, Marvel experience. That's because people like Marvel better than DC, Russ. Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true. I know. Oh, yeah. I, I just said that because... Oh, you hear that? Oh, wow. Drown me out. That's... Thank you. I'm terribly sorry, Steve. That snuck up on me. I didn't realize it was going to get that loud that fast. Would you like to just finish off? That no, that blew them. I thought right out of my ear. <laughs> I was like, it's gone. I will have you know, Steve. Oops, I accidentally <laughs> pushed the button. <laughs> <laughs> I turned your volume down, too. Didn't know if you noticed that or not. I didn't. <laughs> Our topic of the day revolves around the 2018 Game Awards, which we were checking out last night, actually, getting caught up on all that stuff. I have a series of notes about this. I suppose the first question I would have for you, Stevovich, is uh, what was your impression overall of the show? I thought it was... Well done. I thought that there were too many kind of previewy kind of stuff in there. I remember you, we talked about this last time. I still have the same feeling that I did last year about the, the, this that I you know I brought up to you before. You're like, oh well, you know, it's a good venue, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I, I get it. You know, it's a venue. Yeah, everyone's with the games, and you know, premiere this, that, the other. Okay, I got it. But I think they do it a little bit too much because I think we need to be focusing on the games that are not the games that are going to be. I mean, E3 has its venue. I mean, if we started awarding stuff at E3, then I think some folks would be confused too because E3 is about all the games that are coming out. The games, the game awards are for awarding games that have come out this year. So if you stick a lot of previews in there, I don't know, it just kind of splits everything up a little bit too much here for you, Russ. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying, but I do, you know what? I, I, I like... The, the presence, of, you know, what's really cool, and this just, you know, comes from the heart here, Russ. There are a lot of dudes and dudettes behind the scene who will work on this stuff, you know, and I love to see them with their families and like, look, I like, the, uh, I forgot what his name is. Man, I'm, I'm never going to be good at names. But anyway, they get up there and they go, oh, you know, you know, this, that, and the other. My family's made sacrifices and I, they have, these people have, have deadlines. They got to, you know, work in the morning, work at night. And if the, if the stuff's not done, they're putting in crazy hours, right? So it's not, I mean, it's video games, but it's crazy hour jobs at the same time. Mm. And I like to see that um, through the generations, it's not just a young dudes kind of thing. You have people with the same vision who have been doing this for generations. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 that was one of my favorite parts is actually listening to the acceptance speeches of folks who winning the awards. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed myself. I enjoyed the show. I think that it is an improvement over the, the previous year and- this show has been going on now for five years. You can tell it's a, it's a passion project of um, Jeff Keeley, who was the, the host of the show. I thought he did a nice job overall. I think that, that especially when you have something as, as new and, and largely untested as something like the, the Game Awards, it has the potential to go off the rails um, rather easily. And I, I, for one, am thankful that 
he has cultivated this program in such a way that's just, it's a classy show that it's something that, that could be one day, like, like stand head and shoulders with the Oscars or the golden globe, something to that effect. I think that every year that, that this has gone on, you're seeing more and more of like a higher production value in place, more of a, a thoughtfulness as to how they can feature different aspects of gaming as it applies to the show. So, um, which, which I have, um, a few things here that I, I wrote down, um, that I'll get to in just a second here, but, um, I, you know, I, for one would love to actually, I don't know if he has any time or not, but it will be a lot of fun to be able to invite Jeff on the show. Just invite him on Joygasm just to be able to, to do a profile on him and find out just more detail about how this whole thing got started. Because I mean, it's, it's actually a big deal to actually to have the type of um, presence. Cause I, I believe if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that stage is the same stage that they use for E3. That's what they said. And that's no cheap endeavor by any stretch. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what has gone on behind the scenes in order to make this a reality, but in order to try and get um, the amount of people behind the scenes to, to secure the venue, to be able to reach out to various people in the industry, actually have them show up to the award ceremony, be able to psychologically create uh, mind share with how important it is um, that the um, that these good folks be able to show up to this because I, I see what Jeff's trying to do, which is he he wants this to become the standard, just like how the Oscars have become the accolade standard of Hollywood, so to speak. And I think that's a that's a, a truly a great thing. I think we actually talked a little bit about that last year when we were commenting on, on last year's award show, but. I really thought that, um, for instance, like having the the three CEOs come out at the same time from um, Microsoft, Sony, and, and Nintendo, I thought that was a brilliant move because it, it reinforced the notion that we're all here to have a, f- a fun time, play games together, and yeah, I think the rivalries will always ex- exist, and I think that's actually a very healthy thing for the industry. I think it's... It's been um, kind of a part of our gaming DNA to have that competitive nature. But I also think it's cool, too, to see that there is kind of a turning of the next chapter of sorts where having those three be able to stand there and be able to to talk a bit about just the the joy of gaming. I thought that was a a nice touch. What would you think? No, I did, too. I mean, it's kind of like if you take a bunch of artists together and and – you know, of course, they're going to want to sell their prints, um, but they're not going to be mad at the other person because they make art too. There's millions of people in the world that are making art, paintbrush, pencils, digital, whatever, right? So you can't be mad at that person. Yeah, you, of course, you want to draw better or be more creative than the other person. But like I said, that's the, the competition is, is there to make you better. So right. if, if Nintendo's doing something that Sony's not, um, I mean, so Sony is going to drive me better. Same thing with Nintendo, same thing with Microsoft. But at the, at the, end, at the end of the day, everyone just loves games. Mm-hmm. And you have there is some friendliness because there's games that are cross-platform. Mm-hmm. There's, there's exclusive titles and there's titles that are cross-platform. So in that sense, I mean, 
if they weren't friends, it, it, I think it would be odd. I, 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 for one, expect them to come out there and be professional and uh, to show some sort of friendship. I mean, they're not all buddy-buddy. Uh, but just showing like kind of like that united front of solidarity. Well, right. As it applies to gaming. I think that's it's a really tasteful thing to do. I think that, you know, I go back and forth because I, I, I always do hold a special place in my heart for kind of the, the old school 16-bit rivalries between like Sega and Nintendo, that sort of thing. I think that that really helped to shape our gaming culture that has you know gotten older as time has gone on as well as introduce uh, the next generation of gamers into it. And I think this is a, this is a very nice um, evolutionary step, I guess you could say, in terms of just being able to have them on there. Because the only times that we only really see them is at E3. And of course, they're out there peddling their own products to the consumers, to the press, and, and they want to put their best foot forward. But I thought it was, this was like kind of a nice change of pace. And I, I, for one, am curious to know how that was arranged. <laughs> hey guys, you uh, want to come up on stage and make an appearance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. Let's just schedule it at uh, an hour into the program. Okay, guys. let's just do it. Well, and really, too, I I believe that the gaming industry it's it's a it's a smaller industry, relatively speaking, to other industries. And I do believe that these folks probably hang out with each other from time to time and, and have drinks and and just enjoy each other's company. Not to mention the fact that you have had several prominent figures over the the past ten to twenty years make jumps from big company to big company. I mean, we've seen folks uh, who were at Sega go to Microsoft or uh, we've had folks from um, Sony that, that will go over to Nintendo or whatever it is. Like you, you'll see this back and forth, not to mention with third party developers, it's the same thing as well, where you'll have several prominent figures perhaps will make a jump from their third party uh, publisher or developer into more of the, the first party hardware platform company. So very fun. Um, another thing too, I, I really appreciated how there was an emphasis played on the music that was performed at the show. And of course we had um, Hans Zimmer who played along with the game awards orchestra and they played the, uh, for the first time, the official game awards theme. And again, I, I really appreciate the effort that's going into just creating the the foundation of the game awards in a way that's classy that is you know it makes people who watch it take it seriously you know it's not like some high school cafeteria somewhere and they're like okay so the winner is bloody blah, blah like like they actually are taking great strides to make this a very legit ex- what's going on there Steve I'm uh, I'm <laughs> trying to hold in a sneeze <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm trying to look up and put my finger to my nose. <laughs> Say watermelon. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Sorry, was I distracting you too much? Well, Steve, I couldn't tell if you were doing lines of cocaine or what, what exactly you were yeah, doing. Yeah, I'm putting there. lines of cocaine on my index finger and yeah. sniffing them. <laughs> um, but what do you think of Hans Zimmer? I mean, I thought it was it was fine. I didn't think he... I think it was more of his name being there to sure. solidify the, the presence of the show, but... When you say Hans Zimmer, you think of all the soundtracks that he's done. And 
the music to me was was fine. He clearly was not breaking a sweat with this particular theme, as opposed to yeah. some of his other works for film. Right. So in that regard, it, it didn't it it didn't bear the weight of Hans Zimmer. Um, I th- I thought the music, even though it was pleasant, it was relatively flat. Like um, the, like I remember mentioning to you, there's people pounding on the drums. I'm like, where's the bass? Like uh, these guys really. That guy was breaking a sweat. Uh, and you just really didn't hear yeah, So I don't know how they filtered the sound through whatever digital filter they had, but um, I, I think if they did that, then yeah, I would have way more presence. I'm not sure why that wasn't the case, but. And I think that that's something to look forward to in future um, Game Awards shows, really, is that, um, again, there are certain areas that I think are, are work in progress or up and coming and because because I, I know what you're talking about, even wa- watching them perform some of the um, soundtracks from the games themselves was very telling is that um, the game soundtracks tend to have more of an emphasis placed on the current mood or vibe. Like they'll have certain drone sounds that go on that help immerse you into the game experience, which is not too far away from what movie soundtracks do when you watch a movie. But I do believe that one of the areas for gaming that has only, I would say probably within the last five years or so, um, you, you had certain exceptions like Halo, for instance, was like one of the big ones where back in the day, um, you had some kind of theme song that, that really resonated with the folks. Um, or you'd have like, like Super Mario would have a certain song or Sonic the Hedgehog's title screen. Like you would have a, like just a, a sprinkling of certain titles that would have some kind of like marching theme of sorts that would be easily recognizable by the community. But I think within the last five years, we've seen much more emphasis placed on more and more titles that that will spend time having something like that. Like God of War has a very recognizable theme to it. Um, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 doesn't necessarily have like like a, a theme song per se. They have excellent Western style um, soundtracks that they've made for for the last couple of games. But yeah, I, I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing that develop a bit further into the, the subsequent um, versions of the, of this show. Another observation that I had were um, the number of movie actors that made an appearance at the game awards. And again, it's, it wasn't like it, it was flowing like all these crazy amounts of, of actors, but it got me noticing that there is the start of kind of this um, acknowledgement of sorts. Again, going back to like having the Game Awards show be a legitimate show to be on. Um, you know, you have um, you had the actor. I think his name was Christoph. Um, he was the one who was in Inglorious Bastards and. Um, the upcoming uh, Alita Battle Angel movie. In fact, the actress who plays the the lead role and that came out with him, and that was a lot of fun to see them there. Um, you had a couple of comedians. Um, I think they were also involved in some games though too. Oh really? Yeah, I think they were doing some voices for for the games. Uh, Jonah Hill, that's his name, right? Yeah, he came out. Ha- he presented a particular category, and he's been in. I think I think he was in Grand Theft Auto Five. Okay. Um, I, for one, am glad to see 
some of that cross pollination taking place. And in, of course, it's no secret that really there has been kind of a broad interest of kind of meshing Hollywood with the gaming culture, just as the gaming culture continues to mature, you have more and more realistic games that are capable of telling better stories and having more immersive environments. Um, it's actually pretty typical now for AAA studios to hire out artists that got their start in Hollywood and bring them into um, more of the gaming business. So uh, I expect we'll probably see a lot more of that um, in the, the years ahead. Now, one of my favorite aspects to the show was um, when they took time um, to show more of the voice actors on the stage. And I think that that voice acting is one of the, the pillars of a terrific game. And it, I, I, I want to see more of that because oftentimes these are the unsung heroes of these various games where, you know, we, we all enjoy their performances in the game, but we don't really know what they look like. We don't know who they are. And it was fun, for instance, to see the voice actors who were from God of War, who played Kratos and Atreus. You know, and just having that that little setup where he called him boy again. I mean, it was obvious that the audience really loved that. Um, and of course, we had um, one of the the categories was, I believe, uh, best performance by voice actor, which was won by Roger Clark, who of course was the actor uh, for Arthur Morgan. Let's go, girl. <laughs> and Steve is his backup. <laughs> Although he didn't say anything in the microphone, though. I wish yes. he did. Uh, yeah, th there was one thing I wish that he would have added to, because, I mean, his acceptance speech was one of my favorite of right. the night. Yeah. I thought it was so heartfelt. It was so genuine, positive, just real class act all the way. I would have really um, enjoyed if he would have just dropped some kind of Arthur Morgan goodness. Yeah. Somewhere why, in that's there. That's why he's there. You know, that's why he's getting an award. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the fans are clamoring for it. He's another guy, you know, I'm, I'm going to reach out to him and see if uh, I could possibly get him on in a future episode of Joygasm. I think it'd be fun to be able to find out about his career and maybe even have him do some impressions. I was watching, this is kind of a side topic, but um, I saw a clip from the podcast, Joe Rogan Experience. Sure. And they were talking about uh, Red Dead Redemption and Rockstar and the amount of voice work that was done. And, you know, Joe Rogan was doing some of the voiceover for the EA right. the UFC games or whatever. He says, you got to go day in and day out. You got to say things the same way, but different ways throughout the the, the thing. Right. So, I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, oh, I just kicked him in the head and oh, we kicked him in the head sort of thing. <laughs> and he would, and so they had a guest, I forgot the guy's name, but he, he has done voiceover work for Rockstar. And he says, yeah, they basically, in Red Dead Redemption, they had to record all this stuff all the way through and do however many takes they did. But then they had to go through and do it all over because they had distance that they had to um, measure in there. Like if you're 50 feet away from somebody riding a horse, your voice, if you're just talking like this, if you're right next to somebody trotting along, is not going to carry as well because if the person's further away, they're not going to hear you. So you have mm -hmm. to yell it. So literally a ton of dialogue in the movie, or in the movie, geez. Might as well be in the, the movie. narrative, yeah, um, is is completely calm and normal. And then like all of it again is yelling because of the distance. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 
when you are in the process and see that, that is um, some of which what I do at my day job is, is when we're working on a particular video production and we're, we're doing like, like a, a voiceover of sorts, we don't have nearly the the scale or scope of what these, these games are, are having to, to churn out. But you do have to do several versions of each line of dialogue. And especially too, um, like for us, like we have to do one that's in English and one that's in Spanish. So then it, it just the, when you start looking at the sheer number of um, lines of dialogue that you have to do, and especially if you have to do each line, say between three to five times in order to get just that perfect sound. I mean, it, <laughs> it really does add up. I would say one of the, um, if, if there was kind of a negative area of the show, I would say it was when Sonic Fox was the, the winner of the eSports yeah, that category. Yeah, kind of odd. Yeah, like his acceptance speech just really struck me as awkward. Um, yeah, he was nervous, but um, I mean, half the time I didn't know what he was saying. He was like, yeah. you know, I, he, he was laughing a bunch because he was nervous. And then the, audi- the audience heard him say some stuff and they were applauding. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? Like he was, I'm, I heard him say, like one of his friends' dads had cancer and he was going to give him 10K. Yeah. Like I thought he was going to go somewhere with that, but then he trailed off and started something. I'm like, okay, dude, like where are you going? He, he probably was pretty nervous up on stage because he's not, well, but then again, I mean, he's an esports player. I mean, right. he's used to being in front of crowds. So yeah, yeah it, it was just, I was trying to track with him and he was just kind of all over the place. And, um, uh, I, you know, I think that when you have um, members of the gaming community up there, um, especially the ones that are that are super good at what they do, oftentimes that's all they do day in and day out is just play games. So they tend to be a little more um, socially awkward, I guess you could say. Um, but it, yeah, it, there is kind of a growing trend with um, some of the other kind of esports. Um, you know, uh, social media influencer types that we've seen, even like, like when we were watching um, some of the previous E3 segments, like at EA's press conference, they were like, okay, no, it's so-and-so who's bloody, bloody, blah. Yeah. Like what? Like, who is this guy? And they're acting like they're all that, or I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I, I think that that is an area that, that um, needs to have a bit more polish, I guess you could say for lack of a better term. Um, but anyway, other than that, I mean, everything about the, the show I thought was really fun to watch. Um, Ed Boone, of course, you know, he's the, the maker of Mortal Kombat. Uh, he walked out to, to give um, the, the category for best racing title. And then or it was sports and racing at the same time. Sports and racing. Yeah. That's right. Um, I loved how like, like, you know, supposedly like the wrong trailer got played or whatever. And it ended up being the reveal trailer for Mortal Kombat 11. I thought, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I thought they, so they, they did that, which was like, oh, you know, it's someone, you know, it's maybe it was planned, maybe it was not planned. And they did it again with, I think it was Persona 2, I think it was, okay. um, where, uh, you know, oh, it's just Joker, I've infiltrated the, you know, this sort of thing. And I thought, okay, once is cool, twice is kind of like, eh, but we already saw it at E3 on with Microsoft's booth when they did the the Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. where it seemed like someone hacked the end of the show, yeah. and which was awesome. But so it kind of was like a me too, like, oh, let's just do that again because that was so cool. And then, I don't know, it didn't have the same effect. But even that with that Mortal Kombat trailer, in the beginning, it was awesome. 
with all the lightning and then it sure. made the Mortal Kombat insignia, you know, and the crowd's going nuts. Anticipation. And it, yeah, anticipation. And then you, sh- you see Raiden and, and whoever else that was there. I've kind of... That would be Scorpion, Steve. Well, Scorpion, well, I don't know. Was there a second Scorpion? Because the end guy was definitely Scorpion. The first that- guy was like shadow scorpion or something. I don't know. That's what was confusing is that it looked like the, the, the first one that he was fighting against. I mean, to me, I mean, he looked and sounded just like scorpion. His moves were like scorpion. Um, to be fair, I have not played right. Mortal Kombat in a little while, but, um, but then like, like, yeah, when the, when the, the second character came in, uh, Raiden turns around and, and you look at him and it's almost like he's kind of like the classic version of scorpion or something. So, right. Who knows? I, the, the, it was basically one of those uh, awesome uh, badass ninjas, right? But then, so <laughs> they have like five of them in the game. They have the storm, and they have uh, you know this kind of destroyed temple of sorts, abandoned, and the two are just fighting each other, and it's awesome. And then all of a sudden, like this modern rap hip hop, I'm like, what? This is totally like, I was, does not fit. I was just about to comment on that. The one thing that if I had to critique that reveal was that song did not fit. Right. And that's kind of a growing uh, issue, I guess you could say, that I have with some of the, the, the high profile AAA titles that come out and they have the marketing campaign is they'll choose these like, songs that you know by themselves is a good song but it just in my in my opinion it does not fit right the criteria or the subject matter that, that you're looking at like i remember call of duty had i think it was an eminem song and it's like no this is <laughs> why would you play an eminem rap song to military oriented stuff it just just doesn't yeah to me personally like i know that eminem is, is a popular artist and the song itself was really cool but looking at it, it's it just, the to music, me, it's it, just, it's, it really, the music has to fit what you're trying to showcase. Right. I'm well, and see, we are more, I mean, I guess you could call us, we're, we're just more traditional in our expectation of like having stuff that matches the visuals. I think that there is in these cases, there is a conscious effort to kind of break that mold and just to have some popular song go along with uh, the visuals just simply because they know all the, the the kids out there who love that particular song will just be that much more amped up because they're fans of that artist. Right. But there was a trailer for, it was kind of an indie game. Remember the little dude that was uh, boating down some dark cave and a little bird that yeah. came down? That music was perfect with that trailer and I was intrigued. I don't know what the game is about, but I thought, man, this is full of mystery and I am curious. Right. Even if you want to compare other previews, like uh, I think it was it was uh, Gears of War three, I believe, or um, Halo uh, Halo Reach. If you go back and see those trailers, it's a bunch of intense combat with very quiet music, and for some reason, it complements each other, and yeah. it's moving. It yeah. is moving. So let's go over the actual winners of the night. Um, winners. It looks like uh, both. God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2 were kind of the heavyweights of the night. So God of War won game of the year at the game at the game awards. Um, when it came to that, I, I honestly, this year is very difficult for me. You know, um, in our, our next episode, 
we're going to be going over our favorite games of the year that we've played personally. And just looking at the list, I mean, it, it's this was a very difficult year. I mean, you had Assassin's Creed Odyssey, um, Celeste, you had God of War, Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, Red Dead Redemption 2. So definitely... Um, it, normally like each year you, you have kind of one that stands above the others. You're like, okay, yeah, that one's probably going to get it. Best action game was dead cells, which I've just started to play best action adventure game. Of course, went to God of war. Um, to answer your question, Steve, the best role playing game went to monster hunter world, monster hunter world. Okay. Yeah. It was a Capcom game. I actually picked that up as well on black Friday for like, I think 20, 25 bucks, something like that. Uh, best game direction, God of War. Best narrative, however, went to Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. Best ongoing game, Fortnite. So Fortnite got some representation. It is interesting to see that Overwatch was actually still one of the nominees, considering the game came out three years ago or so. Best art direction. Now, this one was a bit uh, surprising to me because it went to Return of the o- Obra Din. Obra Din. I'm not sure what that game is about at all, but I was pretty surprised that that one beat both God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2. But that's just my two cents. Best score and music went to Red Dead Redemption 2, which, of course, uh, we've been enjoying that each night. Immensely. Best audio design also went to Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, Best independent game went to Celeste. Um, of course, we covered who got uh, the best performance, which was Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan. Uh, let's see here. Uh, best fighting game. Now, this one was interesting because you had a few heavy hitters in here. You had Dragon Ball Fighter Z, who uh, won this category, but you also, in the running, had Soul Calibur VI and Street Fighter V Arcade Edition. I think Street Fighter V didn't win because the street fighter five game had already been released and the arcade edition was kind of just this big expansion to a pre-existing game. But yeah, very interesting to see how, which, and who get won that one. I forgot dragon ball fighter oh, Z, which I've not played. I'm not a dragon ball fan. <laughs> I'm not a dragon ball kind of guy. I, my, my, my vote was in soul Calibur six. Cause that's more my bag. Let's see. Best family game was Overcooked 2, which I've heard really good things about. Best sports slash racing game that Ed Boon did actually eventually uh, go over went to Forza Horizon 4. So I think we were both pleased to see that. Are you pleased, Steve? As punch. Best multiplayer game, Fortnite. No. I know. Surprise, surprise. Now, Overwatch did win one category, which was best esports game. Very interesting. We didn't have a whole lot of contenders for esports, right? Well, you had Dota 2, you had Fortnite, you had League of Legends, and there's another one, I don't know, what is it, CSGO? I'm not sure. So was that Counter-Strike something or other? I don't even know what CSGO is. Uh, let's see here. A lot of esports kind of stuff. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning that um, the content creator of the year went to Ninja, who I follow on a semi-regular basis. Um, he has been a super successful content creator just in his uh, accessibility as someone who plays games every single day. He's um, be able to uh, cultivate a, a community that, that just 
generates loyalty. He's been able to score multiple deals and gigs with a lot of prominent high profile companies and sponsorships. And so, and it was nice to have him there presenting at the awards. I mean, all around, I think, uh, he too would actually be a, a really interesting person to, to interview and be able to profile. Well, I think it's just cool that they had that segment in the award show all together because just like they have the, the three main guys for all the video game companies, there's tons of other folks who are making this stuff big and are doing their part or their fair share to keep these games ongoing. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, regardless if it's Fortnite or it's, it's Overwatch or what have you. There's people who are contracted or didn't even look for a contract. They just love playing the game and love sure. streaming their stuff and they have a great personality and they're inter- entertaining to watch. They're keeping the games popular. And I, I don't know. I, I, I like how they incorporated uh, the content creators in there because there, there's something to that. There's definitely weight there because this is now their profession. They're getting paid buku bucks to do exactly what they love, which, you know, 20 years ago, no one thought that was ever going to be the case. Yeah, there, there has definitely been um, an expansion of sorts to the gaming community. And you can see it, whether it's in Mixer or it's in Twitch or Discord, whatever, whichever platform you decide to use. And there, there are certain challenges in place if you are a content creator. I mean, it, the number, the sheer number of, of people who decide to broadcast themselves has exponentially grown. I mean, it really has become a very saturated market. So that may, means that it becomes increasingly difficult for you to be able to stand out from the crowd. How exactly can you do so? And of course, one of the tried and, and true methods is, are you particularly super good at a game? I mean, people love watching someone who's just a champion of sorts of a particular game. In Ninja's case, uh, Fortnite is that current title that, that he just he plays and plays and plays, and uh, he's just one of the best at, and and he's been able to cultivate a following, um, and just my hat goes off to him. I, th- I think it's it's terrific how he's been able to handle himself and and generate a, a kind of a persona of sorts. So I'm curious to see how this whole thing moves forward because I do see a maturing process. Um, not necessarily in terms of the personalities of the players, but just in, in terms of um, how they present themselves through these new mediums. It's almost kind of like how when YouTube first got started, it was very bare bones. You had the, the utilitarian aspects of it in place, but really people didn't know what to do with it. And I think that that's kind of the case with the content creators is that you have a select few who have been able to capitalize on it and then and be able to create a following, like I said, be able to make a persona for themselves and be able to, to maintain it. But moving forward, how is that going to shape up to not only maintain the, the, the audience that they have, but also to be able to just take it to the next level? And I don't, I don't necessarily know what that level is, but... In a in a, a medium that is always rapidly changing and evolving, such as this, I mean, I, I for one, I'm looking forward to seeing how all this stuff shakes out. Do you have any concluding thoughts about the 2018 Gaming Awards, Steve? You know, um, no, I, I my my beginning statement. I think uh, I can use it as my ending statement as well too. The only the way they could go forward is. 
maybe tidy it up a bit. I mean, I mm-hmm. like how they kept it professional. And I mean, people were dressing up for it. People dress up more for the gaming awards than they do like the music awards, it seems like. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, the thing was over three hours long and that's a long time to sit there. I mean, even with movies or music, that's a long time to sit there, but there is ways to tidy it up and uh, make it more uh, direct, I think. And um, I'm looking forward to the the next game show awards. Yeah, I agree. I think that they did a lot of things right. And there was a definite improvement over last year. And last year's was decent too, but it was, it's just nice to see that every year it just gets a little bit better, a little bit better. If I had to critique the show, I would say um, that gaming companies actually need to start taking it a bit more seriously I was glad to see, like, for instance, having all three CEOs of the companies, like I mentioned earlier, was very, very cool. Having certain world premieres be able to debut on the the program was also very nice. But there was still kind of the, the feeling of how this was kind of an afterthought show as opposed to like E3 where they bring out all the stops and that sort of thing. And I, for one, would love to see the the gaming publishers and whatnot actually began to push more exclusive stuff through the Game Awards show just because, I mean, if done right, it would be almost like a Super Bowl situation where like you'd have these amazing commercials that are extremely well thought out. They only are played during the Super Bowl itself, or at least they're, they're debuted during the Super Bowl. But it makes for a memorable experience. And I think that the game awards goes hand in hand with the, the developers and publishers. I mean, this is their bread and butter. You need to make sure that you are backing and, and properly representing something like this because you want it to become more legit. You want more people to watch it. And it's only going to help you generate more revenue as a, as a result, as well as more fans. <clears throat> um, another thing I would like to see is I would love for there to be more presenters um, presenting the categories. Cause if you noticed, I would say probably half, at least 50% of the awards were presented by Jeff. And not only that, but like there were like certain awards where like he would like say who the contestants are. You really wouldn't see the, the game. Like, like they would typically you'd have like a montage showing like a little excerpt from a, a particular movie or a game or whatever it is. And instead you just see this, this little like, motion graphics inset come out that show like the five contenders and he would say, Oh, and this one won and now onto the next one. And he just kind of, he would go through like three of them. And I, for one would um, love to see more movie stars make cameos. And I would also like to see more voice actors um, actually present the, the awards and be able to once again, do some, some voice dropping of sorts, you know, instead of uh, name dropping, do some voice dropping so that way people know who this this actor uh, has performed um, in the past, that sort of thing. And thirdly, I would love to see more developers, more publishers and developers, just prominent figures in the gaming industry. Um, like for instance, Jeff Kaplan came out and, and, and did one of the categories. I really want to see more of that as it applies to presenting. I would say so, although I'm not so much with the movie stars, but more so with the voice actors. I think that's a great idea. How yeah. I mean, not even with the games that are nominated or with the games that are nominated, but even, you know, voice actors from the past voice actors from maybe some cartoons that we know about, you know, that they don't, we wouldn't recognize their face, but we would recognize their voice. 
Yeah, so I would I'd love for them to be uh, you know coming up and 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 doing the awards. Um, but I'd like to also see more content creators, maybe other people that we rec we would recognize, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from from uh, YouTube and 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 Twitch and Mixer and whatnot. I think that'd be kind of cool too. Yeah. Well, congratulations to all those who won an award at the Game Awards show. I think um, you guys all deserve it. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week as we celebrate our 100th. I cannot believe we are there. We are nearly there. 100th Joygasm podcast episode. <laughs> our 100th gasm. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling a little chafed and sore over oh, here. Oh, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, and soundcloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Drogasm TV on Switch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you next week. Later. Later.